Feeling safe is transformative. Our nervous system is on a quest for safety. Safety turns off the defenses of our autonomic nervous system. Stephen Porges. I'm Lauren Hubelay, and I'm here again with my loyal co-host, Japanese acupuncturist, Megan Limp. Megan, good to have you with me again. Hi, Lauren. It's great to be joining you again. And I am so pleased that we're joined again by our friend and therapist and passionate polyvagalist, Cameron Scott. Hi, Cameron. What a pleasure it is to be here with both of you today. Thank you. So ladies, I've been thinking a lot about the last conversation we had. This was the conversation about vertigo. And um, we have a very lively discussion that I think could have gone on for quite a bit of time. But we were talking about the autonomic nervous system and cues of safety and the dorsal vagal response. And this conversation led me down a lot of different paths and it still is as per our discussion right before we began recording. But I'm wondering about other symptoms people have, and this even came up in our conversation. For instance, palpitations or challenges with breath, like even asthma, and then the host of digestive symptoms that people struggle with without finding resolution. And all, all the, these symptoms seem to have something to do with this feeling anxious and a lack of safety in our bodies. And Cameron, maybe I'd love to hear you start because this is a question I've been thinking of is if we cannot feel safe in our bodies, can we feel safe in our environment? And, and is there one that comes before the other? or do they both have to happen at the same time? It's a wonderful question, Lauren, and it's rich. And it's, I don't think it's at all black and white. And remembering that our autonomic nervous system is constantly precognitively through the wonders of Stephen Porges' neuroception, collecting information from our bodies, from our environments, and from our connections to other autonomic nervous systems. Hmm. By the time it gets to our brain and our brain has a thought what that might be, our, our state has already been affected by some of that information. And what is really wonderful is to bring curiosity as to what is my autonomic nervous system neurocepting? Where is it coming from? Is it in fact coming from my body, which is one of your homes, or is it coming from my environment? Or in fact, is it coming from an engagement with another autonomic nervous system? So it leads us on that, down that path of, you know, responding, noticing, naming where it's coming from, and then helping it come back into better regulation, not get drawn into that defense mm -hmm. mechanism. Mm -hmm. Megan, do you have some thoughts on this? Yeah, Cameron, I think that it's it's very, um, I'm so struck by what you said about honing in on what we're neurocepting because in Elaine Duncan's book, The Tao of Trauma, 
she talks about the autonomic nervous system in relation to the five elements, which of course um, is interesting to me because that's really um, the frame of reference that I tend to use when I think about um, our internal and external worlds. And when Lauren mentioned things like breathing and you know whether that's an asthma or a shortness of breath or whatever might be the situation and something very common that we all see and experience on and off all the time, which is the host of digestive issues, it brought up um, our most exterior energy for me, which is um, lung, large intestine. And Elaine Duncan talks about how when, we're, when we move out of the curiosity of being present in the moment into that first arousal um, where we're neurocepting that there's something in our environment, either internally or externally that we need to uh, tune into or pay attention to. Again, this is precognitive. Um, that that first signal of tune in, there's something we need to be on guard or pay attention to here is a function of our uh, lung energy energetically. And so often we know that autonomically we tend to form habits um, because of past experiences. So it seems like I see this and have experienced this that we tend sometimes to get stuck in an autonomic pattern of um, being constantly interpreting or neurocepting things constantly as a need to be on alert, whether that's in reality or just our perception of it. And so that leads to this cycle of neurocepting, um, this alertness and on guard feeling and it leads then to lung symptoms and large intestine symptoms. And those are joined energetically in the body. Um, so anyway, I think that this is a very rich topic for discussion, but I think that it's not a mistake that those are two of the most common symptoms that we see. And we acknowledge in Asian medicine that until, even if you're giving the right treatment until the autonomic nervous system has been brought back into balance and reset, um, that the treatment won't stick because our autonomic habits will continue to play out. Mm. Mm. You know, Megan, if I look back at my practice, I would say that this, this was proven again and again. And what the way I, I view this now, having the insights of Stephen Porges's work and thanks to all the teachings from Cameron is um, there in my clients, they, they weren't safe in their bodies. They were not experiencing safety in their bodies, even if their external world um, was telling them otherwise. And and I, I have to say, I think this is, um, almost an epidemic in itself among women in particular of fear of what their body is expressing and, um, and a lack of safety. Like I don't feel at home in my own body. Well, of course, if we're constantly um, feeling like we need to, even if it's precognitive, if we're in a habit of constantly feeling like we need to be in protection mode, 
then that is mutually exclusive with feeling safe. <laughs> Bravo, Megan. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For some further thoughts from you on that, Cameron, does that bring up anything from your working with clients? Well, it's, it's the absolute truth. Megan, Megan brought that one home. It's like, we have to have the sense of safety before we can really fully be in the experience of safety. It all has to contribute. And also what Megan was um, pointing to is if we have, if it's become habitual responses, if our wiring is toned to that sensitivity that quickly goes from everything's fine to a, a neuroception of unsafety, that pattern gets deeply engraved a little bit like, I don't know for people who remember what records are, that groove gets ground again and then again and again. And so it's very effective, it, it's efficient. It just goes to that big response. And, and some of our work bringing a sense of safety back is putting in some new responses that can slow it down and there can be new experiences of you know, interpreted safety in, in our bodies. And that's a lot of what you do with the generals yeah. and what you do with, with your acupuncture. As, as we've talked, the autonomic nervous system wants choice, context, and connection. Hmm. Well, when we're talking about women, we <laughs> choice can, we can stop it right there sometimes. Uh, I, I, I see this so often in, in women in their 50s and 60s and 70s that um, are, are so frightened and, and um, stopped in their tracks by physical symptoms of their body. And um, it, it's, and, and many of these are exactly what we're talking about here. For instance, um, I see often um, in particularly postmenopausal women developing these symptoms of palpitations. And let's talk about that for a few moments because um, this, is, this is quite prevalent and I am 100% sure this is coming from things that have been suppressed um, both medically and emotionally throughout their life. And what I hear are waking up in the middle of the night with palpitations for no reason at all, um, driving somewhere and just not realizing, you know, what might um, have triggered it. And I want to be really clear, these are women who have been checked out by their physicians. There are no physiological issues with their heart. Where, where does that sit with you? Megan, is that coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is, a, this is a beautiful topic because I, there's a really broad spectrum of people that come into my practice complaining or noting that they're having palpitations. Um, and I think that the group of women that you're describing, um, yes, I see this all the time, but I really see it in the general population and recently also. And I think, you know, I often find that 
there is a more, what I would call a rapid and tight pulse, which to me is um, the body telling me that it's in a sympathetic state at that moment. And I'm not with them all of the time, but when they present in my practice, I can get a picture of what they're presenting in that moment. And from what they're describing and what I'm noting, I typically um, note that maybe we need to do a little work with um, calming down the pattern of responses that they're in and um, working on their ability to access perceived safety and um, hone that vagal break that we all have. Um, but I think part of the beautiful work um, when we're talking about um, trauma-informed therapy with gemos or acupuncture or um, and talking about uh, being polyvagal informed is that we're working to bring what's happening all the time precognitively to our awareness, bringing that up into our explicit awareness so that we can be more active participants. And Cameron, I thought that it might be helpful if you could touch back into what you said about the autonomic nervous system, about it wanting um, a sense of connection and a sense of context and a sense of choice, because I think that that is a big, that awareness is a big piece of bringing something implicit to our explicit awareness. And I couldn't agree with you more, um, Megan, about that pull to that sympathetic, that fear state that, um, that seems to happen, particularly as you pointed out, Lauren, postmenopausally, and only in the practice of making things explicit can we become in that engaged partner in looking at that dynamic, looking at that sensitivity. And I can't help, I don't have the science behind this, but I can't help but imagine what we go through as women physiologically with menopause. There are challenges to our strength. There are challenges to our safety that arise through the shifting of the, of the biology that I think tends to sensitize and somewhat erode that whole sense of safety in our experience. And without, again, it's bringing neuroceptive to our, our autonomic nervous system, that information. But again, once we make it explicit, we can work at, at the, the biologic level and through the autonomic nervous system to make them come together in a, a new understanding of safety. You know, as, as both of you were talking, I, I was thinking about some of these women that I've worked with and the, the idea of revisiting for them, do you have choice in your current situation? What, how, how would you question this using those three elements, Cameron? Like, because my sense is, I mean, many women lack choice and they lack choice. The later in their life, that realm of choice gets very narrow. And then context and connection, which we're all lacking right now in many ways. If, is it helpful to look at that ourselves? Because if we're stuck in a cycle of symptoms, seeing well, what, where is the issue for my autonomic nervous system? Mm -hmm. 
And I'm going to have fun and turn it completely upside down for you, Good. Lauren. As what Megan um, spoke at earlier in our discussion is so many of the symptoms suggest such neuroception for whatever reason of lack of safety, which quickly in the hierarchy brings us from well-regulated, which is that ability to have total resources of choice and connection and context. So before we really ask those questions specifically of how we resource that and, and have that discussion, we need to help move a system that's pulling consistently toward mm -hmm. that sympathetic energy because within that sympathetic energy is that biological imperative for survival, but it does not allow for the things that the system needs most to feel safe. Mm -hmm. and, and so at that point, what I'm hearing you say, Cameron, is there's not enough ventral vagal to even access your answers to those questions. Exactly. So we really do need one way or the other to attend to state and making sure there's enough ventral vagal energy on board to be really, to hold that. Hmm. Hmm. So if we, we want to help our listeners here um, who may struggle with this very common symptom of palpitations, at, at a base level, where do we start? I know what I can do for chimos, but I think it begins before then. I think your work absolutely supports that. And then also for us to be inviting people to really become those wonderful expert state trackers. So when they start to feel those symptoms, they have more chance to notice it, name it. Oh, my biology is pulling me to the sympathetic. And the moment that we can notice it and name it, we also have more of a chance that makes, begins to make it explicit and definitely brings the re-engagement of that ventral vagal energy on board. You know, I think that um, also to, you know, anytime we have something that pops up a symptom with our heart, I think in our society, often that feeds itself and creates an extra level of um, tuning in to something must be done or a sympathetic state of, sure. of fear, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think to break it down, just so people understand a little bit more about heart palpitations from the Asian medicine lens, um, kidney is the energetic system that sends the messages of what needs to be done and it sends them to heart and heart then changes our pulse rhythm and sends that message to every cell in the body. So Elaine Duncan often talks about how when we're dealing with trauma, which we can talk about big traumas and momentous traumas, but you know, anytime that we want something to be other than it is, or we feel powerless, or these are sort of the micro traumas of walking this journey of life. And um, anytime that we're talking about trauma, um, we are talking about um, how we receive the message and interpret the message from the neuroception to what needs to be done, and then send that message to heart where it's disseminated to the body. So we can see how um, we might get caught in a loop of heart palpitations. Um, and it, as Lauren said, many of the women or men or whoever might be experiencing 
this um, symptom. I certainly have over um, the past six months, a few times, uh, many people have been checked out and we know that physiologically they're checking out okay. And this can be an energetic phenomenon of how the sympathetic nervous system is expressing itself in that moment. Mm -hmm. So, so what the challenge that I'm seeing people have is being checked out isn't enough, right? Yeah. Because this is telling your logical brain, there's no problem with the heart, but you're continuing receiving that cue for danger because your mm -hmm. heart is not behaving. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so um, this is where that, that whole concept of understanding neuroception and that we can't outsmart it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that that's really, really um, important for listeners to understand that no matter how much self-talk or you know, trying to logic our way out of it. Neuroception is neuroception. It's just going to be there. I see you nodding camera. <laughs> well, it's, I love the way, you know, Megan talks about this in that it's kind of like there's, there's a breakdown in the relay system because even though someone has told us there's nothing functionally wrong with your heart, the neuroception still bringing that I'm not safe urgency heart palpitations to the system. You cannot yell at that system or, or, or tell it differently. It's experience, it's coming up. However, by naming, by noticing and naming that state, we begin to bring that ventral vagal energy back on. And if we pretty sure there's not a heart attack happening, then we can afford that pause before going to all these stories about, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? Blah, blah, to allow the system and support the system to come back into regulation. And only in regulation does that full menu of uh, choice and context and connection come online. Karen, I think that bears re repeating because it is so simple that it almost gets lost in all the information that noticing and naming it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. If our system is saying, not safe, not safe, not safe. <laughs> we, what, what else can we hear in that moment? We can't, but if, if we're not having a heart attack, we can go, wow, my system's just gone into that urgency, that mobilize, that sympathetic state. So in the moment we, we even notice it and name it, we start to have the ability to re-regulate, to notice there's not an actual in this moment cue for danger and threat, even though our system is suggesting there's a huge problem. That's like the golden key right there, <laughs> noticing and naming. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow, ladies, as always. <laughs> super rich and juicy conversation. Are there any final thoughts on this that you feel need to be said to wrap this up? Megan, what about you? Well, I think it would be interesting to touch on the gemos in relationship to heart palpitations. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I can speak from my experience in the past couple months. Um, 
And I found that Hawthorne was quite helpful for mm. me. Um, you know, I think that anytime we're talking about something related to our heart energy, often we'll look to Hawthorne, but I also um, took Hawthorne and um, a few hours later took a drop of willow one time to support that kind of um, down-regulating. And together that was quite, a, you know, Hawthorne by itself has worked for me, but together um, a few hours apart, it was a beautiful combination and it down-regulated me. It calmed my heart energy down. And I did feel a much more peaceful, embodied sense of myself and sense of mm, everything feels okay in this moment. Yeah. Megan, I'm really glad you brought up White Willow. It's interesting. I was just teaching this to my class on Monday and we have these gemos that will work on a particular area like Hawthorne with the heart. But then we have a few extracts that are completely dedicated to only the nervous system. And they are harmonizing to both the central and the autonomic nervous system. Because what if the information coming into the central nervous system is not accurate or being misinterpreted? And as, uh, as you call it, Cameron Command Central, if it's off, we've got an issue. So using something like Silver Line or White Willow, which harmonize both the autonomic and the central nervous system could be the relief that you're looking for. And so that way we're making sure the information coming in is accurate and the information being dispersed is accurate. Yeah. Any closing thoughts from you, Cameron? You know, it's an interesting thing because I have had the privilege of working now for almost a decade with the polyvagal theory. And the moment that people are able to take that simple practice of noticing and naming and really support, it begins to bring a sense of possibility that they haven't known for decades. And these are often individuals who have learned and practiced and tried this, that, and the other, but the moment they become dysregulated, they're like strangers to everything they've ever done and known. And teaching people to support the work that you both do and the work that we do just to show up for life is just such an exciting, privileged place because it's that platform, mm. platform for possibility. Platform for possibilities. I like that tagline. <laughs> Let's keep that. Well, for all of our listeners, I hope you have something rich to take away from this podcast today that will help you in these challenging times and um, can um, work with noticing and naming um, and see what um, that will do for you. If you are looking for more information on polyvagal theory, I would direct you to Deb Dana's website for, what is her website, Cameron? Help me out. Her current website is the, the title of her, her great teachings, rhythmofregulation.com. Yes, and your website, Cameron? Is cameronscottma.com. 
Great. And Megan, where can um, our listeners find more out about your practice? Uh, you can find me at AccuLemp.com. Great. And I'm Lauren Hubelay at laurenhubelay.com where you can find out all you need to know about these wonderful gemotherapy extracts that we're working with here. Ladies, thank you for your time again. Uh -huh.